0: Hello everyone and welcome to Connecting ALS. The show is taking a breather this week, but we thought it'd be a good idea to reshare one of our most inspiring episodes heading into the new year. As we eagerly leave behind the year 2020, Jeremy, we're revisiting our conversations with three families uh, living with ALS across the United States as they courageously navigated the challenges of this year brought on by the pandemic and some other unexpected events as well.
1: That's right, Mike. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit dispiriting that it's still timely as we Mm -hmm. see continued spikes throughout the country in the COVID pandemic, something that we're still uh, dealing with. Uh, Certainly you and I are still dealing with, uh, our, our community of listeners, the community that we serve, still dealing with the COVID pandemic. So... Couldn't be a better time to reflect back on how these three families dealt with the initial outbreak of COVID back in the spring.
0: Let's take a listen back. We hope all of you listening out there are able to find peace this holiday season. And we look forward to connecting with you again in 2021.
2: The most important thing to remember through all of this is that we are not alone. I have a mantra that I use to kick me in the butt when I get overwhelmed by this life. It goes, you are braver than you believe, you are stronger than seem. Feel free to steal my mantra if it will help you. Hello and welcome to another episode
0: of Connecting ALS. I am Mike Stevenson and I'm here with my co-host Jeremy Holden and we're going to do our best to stay out of the way of the story this time out, as we wanted to connect you to three different individuals and families living with ALS in different parts of the country to hear about how the pandemic is impacting their lives. And Jeremy, we've touched on it for the last few months uh, when the global population started taking steps to slow the spread of the coronavirus, but for anyone living with ALS, the situation is especially difficult.
1: It is. And I, I think two words that come to mind when I think about the COVID pandemic and social distancing are isolation and respiratory distress. It's something that I think comes through in some of the folks that we talked to this week that, you know, ALS can be an isolating disease to deal with. And of course, respiratory distress is a huge component of living with ALS. And interesting to talk to some of the folks that we're going to hear from this week and of ways that... That they are dealing with the isolation of the COVID pandemic and the quarantine and the ways that the respiratory distress that they're already concerned about is brought even more front of mind.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned we'd be staying out of the way because we want you to hear these stories firsthand from the uh, courageous people taking things one day at a time. Jeremy and I will set up each interview segment and then step aside.
1: Diane and Brad's ALS journey began in 2019. In fact, Diane has the date of Brad's diagnosis memorized, September 6, 2019. While the family calls Eden Prairie, Minnesota home, Brad and Diane decided to give snowbirding a chance. In November, they headed south to Phoenix, where they rented an apartment.
3: With Brad with his ALS, the cold weather is just too difficult for his joints and breathing and so forth. So... We both quit our jobs in Minnesota, and this is you know, where we pretty much came for the winter months.
1: When the COVID-19 pandemic hit, Brad and Diane decided it was safer to stay put rather than drive home on schedule. So now with the rent on their winter apartment extended into the summer and the bills mounting, they weighed out the pandemic in a new community, far from friends and family and their local support system.
3: When we came to Arizona, we just pretty much took what we could fit in our vehicle. Like right now I'm sitting in is a, uh, you know, like you we know, have some of those folding lawn chairs. And thankfully the ALS Association of Phoenix, they did get my husband a reclining chair, or, or a lift chair I should say, which has been very helpful. And they've also supplied us with transport chair and a shower bench and a walker also, and, you know, they've been more than kind. I've nothing but good things to say at the ALS Association. I decided, you know, I don't want to go out hardly at all. I don't want to spread this virus to him because I know he's considered high risk. And I know it be, you know, could easily kill them. So I've been pretty much staying in. And after a um, news article that we were in just recently here in Phoenix in the CBS channel, people have been very generous to us here in Phoenix this last week. And I can't say how, my appreciation to the people that have been willing to help assist us. You know, it's hard enough to be having ALS. It's hard enough having that disease and then having this fear of COVID-19. It just makes it so much worse. You know, the fear. It's, I've already had enough anxiety with just the ALS. And now having something else on top of that. It, it just seems overwhelming. Well, you know, I, I had actually put on nextdoor.com. It's an application recently, and I put requests for Clorox wipes. Another time I put on for Lysol spray. And this last time I put down, does anybody know where I can get some face masks? And, you know, this is when the reporter here in Phoenix contacted me. And I have got probably 50-plus emails from the community of people wanting to help assist us with groceries, with, you know, I've gotten flowers, some you know, given us a bunch of craft materials, you know, some of our kind of stuck at, you know, this apartment that we're at, and some games and snacks. You know, people have just been so generous to us. It's kind uh, of amazing that um, people have been so kind to us. I've actually gotten so many face masks from residents and people around. I've sent many face masks to the ALS Association for other ALS patients and their families. So they'll have a face mask also. Because you know, I didn't need as many as they have and I still have more for them to pick up here of additional masks that I've received. So and hopefully they can get to Families or other ALS patients that need the masks. I want to protect my husband. I rarely go out. If, you know, I go out, I've been putting my clothes in the washing machine immediately after I've been wiping the groceries down, you know, the stuff that people have been giving us with some Clorox wipes that I've also received from people. And it's tough. It's a day at a time, praying that he does not get sick, or I'm afraid myself, too. If I had the COVID-19, who would be there to take care of my husband?
1: Brad and Diane are currently planning to head home to Minnesota in July.
0: Alan Liddyard was diagnosed with ALS on March 23rd of 2018. Like many, Alan's diagnosis took many years, many tests, and many painful operations, part of the process of elimination that so many people with ALS describe. His wife and primary caretaker, Patty, reflected on the emotional roller coaster they went through during the 3 years leading up to Alan's diagnosis.
4: I felt bad cuz I'm thinking, you know, maybe you need to start working out. Maybe you mm. need to start doing it. How come you don't have strength and It was very frustrating for him for three years, going through MRIs and all the other tests that they did and not giving him, you know, an answer. They put him through a back surgery, told him that he had a pinched nerve and it wasn't. He went, you know, recovery from that. Then both legs were hyperextending. Then it got to the point where he'd be walking and if it was any pavement that was unlevel or or something that way, he would just drop like a stone. He'd just collapse.
0: Patty and Alan live in Guilford, New Hampshire. In addition to her role as caregiver, Patty works in the hospitality industry. She reflected on the looming busy season as vacationers inundate the area and the public health concerns that puts on her and Alan, along with the daily challenges of living with ALS during the COVID-19 pandemic.
4: We try to keep positive, you know, each day. My family is down in New Jersey and Bergen County, where it's hotspot from New York City. Alan's daughter lives in Connecticut, which is another hotspot. His son lives in Massachusetts, which is another hotspot. So it's the two of us. We have two golden retrievers that are his therapy dogs. He's doing his texting, emailing, YouTube, you know, baking what he likes to eat so that I can keep the weight on him. That's very important, keeping the weight on so that the disease doesn't progress faster. I'm still at work. I I work at a hotel in the area that is a seasonal hotel that eventually will open up with the vacationers that I'm worried about because you know it's going to be the people coming from the hot spots. We're looking into all the sanitizing ends of things of what's needed, whether it be just for a lobby, a restaurant, the hotel rooms, even registration, all of the day-to-day dealings that you do with a customer of, you know, keeping that space. But then also, you know, you so have to worry about anything and everything that everyone touches now. I have Alexa that with the drop in and everything else that way that I'm able to, while at work, be able to call into him, that he doesn't have to worry about picking up a phone, that I can, you know, speak with him while I'm at work or different things that way to make sure that he's okay. His daughter got him a Knicks play for Christmas, that she's able to download pictures as she comes across when she was little or the grandkids. And, and, you know, every day there's, we put that on and it's all positive pictures that are coming through of happy moments.
0: Patty talked about her connection to the ALS Association Northern New England chapter, the use of technology to continue providing services and to make their lives easier to manage, and the importance of planning ahead.
4: They're now looking to do more things uh, video-wise. We did do a chat a couple weeks ago that we were able to speak with other people on, and there was a gentleman that was on there that, you know, I I don't think he could have, because of the stage that he is with his ALS, I don't know if he could have come to a meeting, but it was so informative to be able to speak and listen to him on that, that I learned a lot. Of you know of things that are going to happen, of what options are that are out there that somebody has done, and having the different people that way that you know sometimes they may not want to speak in front of someone, but being on on that with everyone putting in their little information that was amazing, and I'm grateful that Amber you know had set that up for us all to be able to you know speak together and and learn a lot. And and nobody had to travel. You know, I I do have the Hoyer lift here that I've had to use. And as things progress, I, I, I have it here, you know, and I'll end up using it more. I do have the gate belt for lifting to help him out of the chair, because I know that it's just me here. And these are all the things that I'm going to need to do myself. When he did end up getting the motorized wheelchair that he needed, you know, I looked in right away about getting a ramp, because it's one thing when they deliver it. You know, insurance may pay for a motorized wheelchair, but insurance doesn't pay for a ramp to get out of the house. You know, my thinking, if he has an emergency and he needs to get out of the house, he can unless he has a ramp. So that was something that I needed to do. So I'm always asking what comes next and what do I need to do? And with the uh, COVID-19, you know, I've, I've spoken with my pharmacist, finding out about getting medications, Asking when do I need to order the next dose. She's telling me that a lot of the doses they're having problems getting them in. They don't come in right away. They don't have what they had on the shelves before. So certain ones that I could order, she had me do so that I have them here. And you know, I'm finding that's almost with everything now, even dog food. You know, it's you need to plan ahead. You need to know you know what your needs are, you need to get them. And you need to have them. They're things that you're going to use. They're not going to go to waste. And I think that's probably the, one of the biggest things that everyone can do is think ahead. Don't just react. I'm trying to stay ahead of everything. And I think that's pretty much, you know, the the weather being nicer out, being able to get him outside to, you know, to go for a walk, you know, with the dogs and get some fresh air. It's 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 been tough for the last few weeks because he hasn't really had the energy You know, or the, you know, it's been depressing where he, you know, he's got a handicapped van with a motorized wheelchair to be able to go out and visit people, and he hasn't been able to do that for six weeks.
1: Jeremy Schreiber was diagnosed with ALS in January 2018. We spoke to him about dealing with ALS during the pandemic with the help of his assistive speaking device. As you'll hear, he's maintaining his sense of humor during quarantine, while he and his parents, who act as his primary caregivers, adjust to life with less support than usual.
2: It's funny, my father is retired, my mother runs her business from home, and I'm keeping busy with my blog, neversayinvisible.com, we're still doing much of the same as before. Other than keeping Amazon in business, not much has changed in the day-to-day around my house. We've had to isolate ourselves like everyone else has. This has been especially critical since my breathing capacity is super low. Unfortunately, this meant stopping our home health aides, the physical therapist, and the worst thing, the maid. I'm kidding, sort of. When we stopped the aides and therapists, the burden of caring for me, fell squarely on the shoulders of my parents. Caring for someone with ALS is difficult enough. Not having the help you need, is brutal. I hope this pandemic ends soon. They are exhausted and need a break. We are doing a lot of video chatting with friends and family, but it's not the same. My girlfriend, Melissa, is in Boston for work and can't come to visit. That has been really hard for me personally. Getting the resources we need has taken some figuring out. All of our doctors are offering telemedicine visits, and we have some friends going grocery shopping for us. The only thing we've had to figure out ourselves is how to cut each other's hair. This makes me really glad we're doing a podcast and not a video chat. My parents and I are active in the Greater New York chapter of the ALS Association. Debbie Schlossberg and Mary Ann Mertz have given us a second home with every resource we need. We've made friends we can laugh with at the absurdity of this all. And of course, we can cry with them when things get really hard. We're glad to be part of this community. When we get our diagnosis, we are committed to a life of uncertainty. Each day is a crapshoot with ALS. Will my voice give out today? I was able to eat by mouth yesterday, what happened? Why does my chair only go in reverse? We've been handed a raw deal with ALS, but we are fighters. The most important thing to remember through all of this, is that we are not alone. I have a mantra that I use to kick me in the butt when I get overwhelmed by this life. It goes, you are braver than you believe, you are stronger than seem. Feel free to steal my mantra if it will help you. If anyone wants to connect with me, you can find my website and email address in the show notes. I hope everyone stays safe.
0: Thank you to all the families and individuals who participated in today's uh, episode. It's so important to hear from the ALS community about what they're going through and what they need in terms of care and support from the ALS Association and their clinical partners around the country. And on that note, we'll wrap up this special episode of Connecting ALS, which was produced by Garrett Tiedemann of the ALS Association's Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota chapter. Thanks for listening, and we'll connect with you again soon.